everyone. This is your host, Kiara Lozano with Walton Biz Talk, a student-run podcast where we have casual conversations about professional things. This podcast is powered by the Business Communication Lab at the Sam and Walton College of Business, and this season, we'll be digging deeper into the importance of adaptation in our everyday life. We'll be having guests from all industries, backgrounds, and expertise share their contributions and thoughts on a new way of business as our world faces many new challenges. I'm joined here by Savannah and Sun Min, the co-host for this season. If you're an old listener, then you'll probably already have a chance to hear them chat on the podcast before, so let's get right into it. For today's episode, we're talking with Luke Damon, Microsoft Sales Director, on the topic of adaptability in the workforce and how mastering the skill set can benefit you in your career. We'll also be discussing Microsoft adaptability strategies throughout all of the recent global changes and learn more about the tech business and sales. Luke, thank you so much for joining us again. Before we get started, could you give us a quick introduction and tell our listeners more about your role within Microsoft? Yeah, thanks for having me, Kiara and team. Um, so Luke Vaughman, um, I actually graduated from the Sam Walton School of Business uh, in 09, so it's cool, cool to come back uh, 12 years later to, to do this. Um, pretty much right out of uh, business school, I uh, started in technology. Um, I spent about eight years of my career at HPE, um, and then I've been with Microsoft for the past um, three years. Uh, currently, I'm in a role as a, a sales director, so I run a uh, a sales organization really for our South Texas, uh, what we call enterprise clients, which are really our largest um, set of, of customers uh, for Microsoft. So, and I'm based out of uh, Austin, Texas. That's awesome. I'm from Waco, Texas. So I'm very familiar right. with that general area. Um, awesome. So, you know, Microsoft has publicly stated that it's going to allow its employees to have a more of a hybrid model permanently. However, they're still making a cautious effort to create an inclusive and engaging work environment. Can you just describe to us a little bit more of like the company's current adaptive or outreaching programs that it has for its employees? Yeah, so that's a that's a good question to to kick off with. So, you know, obviously over the last couple of years, there's been uh, a, a lot going on across the world. Um, you know, we're still living through a global pandemic. You know, there's been a lot of social and political unrest. There's been a lot of crazy weather. I mean, here in Texas, we had like the craziest winter storm in the past 100 years. I'm sure you you heard of that, Kiara, that actually took out, you know, many members of our team for a certain period of time. So there's been a lot of uncomfortable events over the last couple of years. And Microsoft's response has been really, really cool. Um, it's been cool to be a part of this. I would say the foundation of our response has really been built around empathy. Um, and you know, if you guys ever listen to Satya Nadella, our CEO, empathy is 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 the core of how he's built this company. Uh, you listen to any of his presentations, you'll hear him say empathy 10, 15 times. And I think that's been so important with our response to everything that's gone on because everybody's living in a little bit of a different world themselves right and 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 being able to put yourselves in others shoes and see through the eyes of others is really important because you look at you look at somebody that uh you know is, is a parent and has two kids at home and all of a sudden their kids can't go to school uh and they can't go to daycare you have to build a, a unique work environment to make that work for them. And then it's very different from somebody that is maybe a single young professional living in a studio apartment in downtown San Francisco who 
who hasn't seen another human being in, in three months. You know, both of those environments are not conducive to, to being well yourself. So our, our, our response has been first, how do we have empathy and, and, and create an environment where everybody can make sure that they're doing well themselves personally um, and build a work environment that, that can be conducive to that. Cause right. Those two examples that I just gave are, are, are very, are very different. So we've created this hybrid work environment. Obviously we're not going into the office anymore. Like, like we were, a year and a half, two years ago. So we've had to create this hybrid work environment that sort of fits everybody's situation. Everybody's situation is so different. So having that empathy uh, to react to that is, has been really important. And so some of the some of the programs that that we've put in place have been like mental health days. Um, we've implemented mental health days so that if you know this this pandemic is not conducive to being on top of your mental health. So the opportunity to take a day off to, to go get yourself right mentally. We've implemented wellness days where you can take a day off. You know, it's like a vacation day, but, you know, go spend time exercising and time with your family just to get well with yourself. And um, we've implemented programs for like stipends for exercise equipment and um, to go to gyms so that you're, you're maintaining healthy habits. So there's a lot of things that we've done and, and they're all built around that core of empathy and how do we make sure that you know everybody's doing well in their own particular situation and the great thing is is while we've been living in this global pandemic microsoft has had the two strongest years of the company's history um so you know we're obviously doing something right and I, one, one of the unique things in the beginning of the pandemic that we had to think about is people didn't have anything else to do other than work right so we we saw a lot of situations where people would work 7 a.m., 7 p.m., they'd be in front of their screens for 12, 15 hours. And we had to get with a lot of people and say, hey, listen, take some time away from work, right? Um, so, that, so that you don't have that burnout. So there's, there's been a lot of different things that have been done. I think Microsoft has had an incredible reaction to these crazy times, but everything's been really built around empathy. So... To further your thought on empathy, uh, I feel like it goes towards your coworkers and to your customers. And I feel like sales is heavily relying on trust. So how do you make that emotional handshake, especially when you're making such big deals with your customers? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. Because yeah, when I say empathy is at the core of the company, it's at the core of how we deal with our, uh, you know, employees, coworkers, but, but also probably most importantly is, is our customers, right? And, and having that true empathy and, and being able to put yourselves in the shoes of the customers is what allows you to really support customers well. So to your point, sales relies a lot on trust. Um, this has been a huge shift in, in how we work with customers because, you know, a lot of times you would go out and you could you would build relationships with customers by going out and have informal conversations, take them to lunch, take them to dinner, you know, go to, go to happy hour. And you would have, um, you know, a lot of time to spend with them, really getting to know them as, as individuals and as humans, and you build relationships that way. And you can sort of get things done with relationships. Now we operate in like 30 minute increment windows, right? You, you got a call from 1030 to 11 to meet with this customer you really don't have a lot of time to have informal conversations, you know, 
How was your weekend? Where'd you travel to? What, you know, what are your hobbies? It's really about how do you bring value to, to your customers? And so I think, um, you know, removing some of the barriers that we have of not being able to meet with one another where you don't rely as much on that relationship. It's more about how do you bring value in that 30 minute call? How do you make sure the customer walks away knowing that Microsoft is going to be bring value to them and to their company and, and our technology is going to, you know, allow them to be more efficient and effective as a, as an organization. Luke, I wanted to ask you, um, just kind of going off of that uh, sales discussion that we were just having, how do you feel like some of the old truths about sales or the old strategies have aged um, in a virtual workplace or a hybrid workplace? And what are the new um, truths to sales in the workplace? Yeah, um, you know, so similar to what I just mentioned is it, it used to rely on really building relationships in person, right? I mean, you'd go spend a lot of time at our customers' offices. I mean, you'd be there all day with them, supporting them in their office. And, you know, they, you would have a lot of hallway conversations, right? You're, you're walking out from a meeting and you spend 10 minutes walking from one meeting to the other, really getting to know a person, right? And, and just, you know, like I mentioned, what are, what are their hobbies? Uh, you know, how many kids do they have? What are their names? What, you know, what grade are they in? You don't do that anymore. It's, it, or it's just a lot harder to do that now, right? And so, you know, now we're doing things like you'll have a virtual wine and cheese tasting event, right? Which are great, but, but, but they don't really substitute that true in-person in feel. And so, I, you know, I, I think back to the answer, my, my other question is, it's sort of shifting away from a little bit of, of um, the informal relationship. And it's more of the formal, how do you make sure that we're really bringing value to, to you? So, you know, I think there's some pros and cons to that, right? I mean, the whole like good old boy system, right? You had a relationship with somebody, they might choose your technology simply because of that relationship. And, and the value that you're bringing to their company could be lesser than, than somebody else. But now I, th I think it sort of levels the playing field of everybody's got to bring their best foot forward with the technology that's going to allow them to advance as a company. And it's less about the informal relationship. So I think there's, pro there's pros and cons to that. And you, I think our, the topic we're discussing is adaptability, right? You have to be able to adapt to this or uh, you're going you're gonna to sort of be left in the dust. Yeah, that's awesome. So hearing more about you talking about like empathy and just like the whole company culture and how everyone has like a different backstory um, when it comes, you know, to how they're handling the pandemic and all of these changes. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your involvement in just building that culture within Microsoft? Um, and making sure that everyone feels welcome and like included when it comes to uh, processes like this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, em empathy's at, at the core and it's, it's really cool to be a part of an organization that emphasizes empathy so much. Um, you know, so it's at the core of everything that we do from how we're working with people, but also to how we're, how we're building technology. Um, Satya Nadella, our, our, our CEO, uh, you know, has a child with, with disabilities. And, and so he's really developed his empathy bone through, through working with, 
um, his, his kid. And so you look at some of the technology that we've built and the inclusivity that uh, we've implemented into this technology, we've made a, a lot of progress uh, over the last couple of years, I would say last five years. Um, you know, I don't know, I'm sure you guys have, have got into PowerPoint but there's, there's a cool new feature within PowerPoint. If you go to, I'm looking at it right now. If you go to review in PowerPoint, you can, there's, a, there's, a, there's a button that you can actually check the accessibility of the PowerPoint presentation that you're making. So it'll go through using artificial intelligence and actually take a look at your slide that you're building to, to determine, is this something that people with disabilities will have a difficult time reading? Um, or if you're presenting this out, people that are, that are deaf or blind, there are functions that you can incorporate into that into the technology so that it's much more inclusive. So everything from the technology that we're building every single day, which is at the core of what we do, really incorporates inclusivity. Um, you know, but also all the, the programs and, and the initiatives and, and you know how we're how we're addressing the pandemic and how we um, move forward with that. Inclusivity is, is a really important component of all of that, um, knowing that everybody's going through things a little bit differently, but trying to build an environment that supports everybody and you're leaving nobody behind, right? So that's that's really important piece of it. Uh, even though you wanna keep diversity a thing inside the workplace, how are you building company culture through like Dare to Lead? Like, do you mind explaining Dare to Lead a little more? Yeah. Um, so if, I don't know if you've heard of Brene Brown or, or Dare to Lead. If you, if you haven't read the book, I would recommend it. It's a, it's a really good um, business book. Um, so we're big fans of Brene Brown, Brown at Microsoft. And um, we actually rolled out a, her Dare to Lead program across our entire um, U.S. sales organization. And it was perfect timing. I don't, I don't think we could have predicted what was about to come down the path, but it ended up being perfect timing. And you know, the whole concept of Brene Brown's Dare to Lead is leading with emotions and vulnerability. And, um, you know, emotions and vulnerability, I think, for the past 100 years of the corporate business world have been something that have, has been asked to, like, leave that at the door when you walk in, right? Leave your emotions at the door. Leave your vulnerability at the door. That's not something that should be in a business environment. And, and she's really turned the, the tune on that to say, to be a true leader, you have to have emotional conversations with people. We're, we're people, and as you know, some people don't like to admit it, but we're all emotional people, right? And you have to be able to have those tough emotional conversations to grow as a team, as a family. Uh, you, you have to be able to put yourselves out there and be vulnerable uh, to really be a true leader. So we spent a lot of time practicing how to have these emotional vulnerable conversations so that we could do those within within our business and like i said it couldn't be more of a perfect time to do that because we're living in a global pandemic this is an emotional time we're living with a lot of social and political unrest these are really tough emotional vulnerable conversations that can't be avoided anymore and they have to be brought into the workforce so um, the whole concept of the Brene Brown dare to lead program was that we bring those emotional vulnerable conversations and we get better at them and we practice them 
and and we and we encourage them. I mean, I always say I don't. I grew up playing sports, and you could a team would grow a lot when they had like that one adverse moment where you lost a big game, somebody got really upset, and as a team you came together and you had a, probably a huge argument, and and there was a lot of adversity that was built around that because you came out a lot stronger because everybody had was willing to have vulnerable emotional conversations once you're all really upset, right? But sometimes it takes being really upset to have those emotional vulnerable conversations. And this has taught us how to have them more often and, and, and make them part of our more regular business operations, which is, which is unique and is a little bit weird, honestly. I mean, it's, it's, it's unique and a little bit weird for a sales organization to be taking hours out of their week away from working with our customers to work on our vulnerability and, and relation and, and emotional conversation, right? That's not something that would happen 10 years ago, but it makes us so much stronger individuals and human beings and how we work together. Uh, it, it improved that a lot. Yeah, I'm glad that you share that because I also feel like that is something, you know, that has been brought up to the business world quite recently. Um, you know, like my mom, she grew up in sales and the way that things were kind of run or like what they expected from sales was very different from what we're seeing now, um, which I think is great. I think vulnerability is something that needs to be explored more. And I actually want to know more about how specifically, I know you said it's a little hard to get like a sales team together to kind of open up and talk about their feelings and build those relationships within work. So if you could give us like a little bit more um, details on maybe how Microsoft is able to adapt to those um, new like trainings um, and just kind of show us how maybe us students can learn to be more vulnerable within the workplace or just adapt, like have those adapting skills. Um, so that when we do go into the workforce, we're a little bit more prepared for that. Yeah. So a, a part of this was, is we came together, you know, it's probably like groups of 10 and we would meet on a, on a weekly basis. And the first thing that we would do is we would go around and say, how's everybody feeling? Like, no, really, how, how is everybody feeling? This is, this is a safe place to tell everybody that you're not do, necessarily doing okay, or that, or that you're really stressed out or that you're really tired. Five years ago, nobody would ever come to you and say, I'm really stressed out or, you know, I'm really tired. There, there's a lot going on in my personal life. Like that just was, it, it wasn't emphasized. It was like, leave, leave your personal world at the door. This is all business. And so we would come to these groups and we would have real true conversations about how we're feeling, the areas that we're struggling in, knowing that it's a safe place. Uh, we would try to separate everybody so that they're not necessarily on the same team. You know, they're not necessarily reporting into somebody that's in these groups, but we would all just sit, sit in a room and, and, and be vulnerable together. And it, it was really just practice, like practice of, you know, having vulnerable conversations with one another and how we react to those. And we would use a lot of Brene Brown's methods um to help with those i mean she, she would call them like rumbles um you know come together and rumble with one another and and have those hard conversations and so my advice would be find a group of people that you're comfortable doing that with and and go practice and you know have somebody that can sort of lead the conversation and 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 that'll really push people to get outside their comfort zone and have those vulnerable emotional conversations because the more that you have them the the more comfortable you'll feel 
having them with somebody that maybe isn't necessarily comfortable with that, right? And, and, and you'll learn to, to, to listen for the cues of somebody that um, is maybe on the verge of, of having one of those conversations and, and you just need to sort of lead them down that path. So I would say just get together, practice with a group of individuals that's supportive of doing it. It's a safe place for everybody and, um, and you'll get better at it through that. I wanted to know, Luke, I know we've talked um, a lot about Microsoft and their initiatives and programs, but I wanted to get a little bit more personal with your personal leadership style. And I wanted to know how has your leadership style evolved, not only during the pandemic, but also throughout your different roles, um, not just at Amazon or Amazon, not Amazon, Microsoft. Microsoft. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. Um, my wife actually works at Amazon. so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, over the last, I've been in sales probably the last 10 years. Um, I would say the last six of the, about the last seven years I was in, uh, before I moved in this new role, I was a, an account executive. And really re the responsibilities of that account executive was to um, build the strategy for a particular account, um, a particular client that we're working with. And, and in that role, going back to empathy, your, your job was to really understand what was important to the, to the customer and to their business and, and, and be able to sort of see through the eyes of the customer. And, and once you could do that, and that took some time of building relationships, um, you would build out a strategy based upon what was needed to support that customer. And then, and then you, would, you would lead by using that strategy. Um, so you, you, know, you would have a number of resources that would be working with you and for you to support that particular strategy um and so you would lead by understanding the customer and understanding what the customers need and it was pretty easy once you really had that vision and it, and it wasn't easy to get that vision but once you had that to get everybody behind you moving in the same path um the the role that i've moved in is is you sort of have that i've recently moved in as a sales director is you sort of have to you're you're overseeing you know eight to ten sellers that are doing that similar role, but it's it's really important that you develop a culture and strategy that empowers these people that work with you and for you to be able to build out that ability to create those strong account strategies. But you got to be able to to scale it. And then you want to you want to sort of figure out you know what it takes to be successful, and then you duplicate that sort of over and over and over again, and then and then you try to identify okay what are the metrics to show what you know if we're be, being successful in supporting this particular client, um, but it it sort of goes from a little bit of a micro view to more macro, and how do you scale, and how do you create a culture and an environment that everybody feels empowered that they can go be really successful in their own individual role. And then when you get that secret sauce, you just try to duplicate it over and over again. And, 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 and you gotta have a lot of collaboration and really emphasize everybody collaborating with one another to, to keep that momentum going in, in those accounts. Well, yeah, talking more about your like leadership, um, how within Microsoft specifically it being more of a tech company, um, can you help like maybe older employees adapt to all of the new changes in technology and just like how business is being run in general? We've talked a lot about how, you know, sales have 
drastically changed throughout the years um, and technology as well. So how is the way that you um, tend to manage or um, kind of lead um, older employees or people who are just not used to this new work environment? Yeah, good, good question. And I know I'm sounding like a broken record now, but again, it's, it's, it's empathy. It's the ability to put yourself in, in others' shoes. Um, you know, everybody operates differently. Nobody operates the same way. Um, nobody operates the same way that you operate either. And, and, and we're most comfortable with how we operate. So trying to put yourself in, in others' shoes and, and realize that there's some people that didn't grow up using this technology every single day. Um, and so being inclusive in how you set up training programs to make sure that those that uh, need more help in those areas have the training that they that they need and the time dedicated to to actually going and 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 doing that training and so um you know and that 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 goes for not just how we lead and 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 execute in certain roles but also for the technology that that we build right the technology that we build has a big component of inclusivity around it making sure that everybody is able to use this technology and 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 we leave nobody behind. So again, I think it's just using empathy and and really creating that muscle that you know empathetic muscle, and 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 trying to make sure that you understand what people are going through and how you can help them, whether that be how they're using our technology or how they're um, operating in uh, our our company. Uh, with that being said, I feel like. Uh when you're giving out your sales presentation to your older employees, you can use the accessible feature that you guys made in the PowerPoint, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, Liza shared with us that you have recently became a father and I feel like business is such a flexible and adaptable environment. Could you explain to us how being a father has changed your professional goals and your uh, personal goals? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. Um, yeah, so we, we had Hugh, uh, four months ago and, um, it definitely, it definitely changes things a lot. You know, you, uh, you, you don't have a kid and, and, and you've got all day to, to, to get what you need to get done for work. And, and now, you know, we do, I mean, my wife works and so, you know, we do a good job of sort of dividing and conquering responsibilities, but, you got to be more efficient with your time, right? Um, when you you got to wake up and take care of your your kid for a couple of hours, and you got to put him to bed at night for a couple of hours. Other hours that 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 if you were working, you you couldn't, you can't anymore. So I think the biggest thing is is just you know identifying a schedule that'll that'll work for you, and 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 making sure you're being efficient with your use of time. Um, I'll say working for you know in the the technology industry and and and, and Microsoft as a whole, they've been super supportive of of families I, i'm actually currently on a three-month paternity leave um so my wife is also in the tech industry and she took five months maternity leave and we staggered them actually so she took her five months i took my three months i'm taking it now and so i'm able to actually really truly spend time with my son bonding with my son sort of building the foundation of what will be the rest of my life of, of being a father and so I think it's really important that as you guys are looking at what, what companies are out there that you maybe want to go work for when you graduate is 
companies that really value fa family and 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 give you the time to to spend with those families and and Microsoft is a is a is a great one. The fact that they give me three months off in a in a sales organization is a little bit un, unheard of, but it's so important to them that um, we have that core foundation of, of of we're doing well at home and 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 the family's doing well. And if and if that's all happening, then then we'll do really well in our role. Um, and bring a lot of value to the company. Yeah, well, I want to say, first of all, congratulations on the baby. And I'm glad that you get to spend so much time with, you know, like your baby now, like you said, those are very important steps in life. Um, but that kind of also goes into the whole adaptability thing. Um, a long time ago, like, you know, paternity leave wasn't very popular and it wasn't something that was very accessible. So the fact that companies are allowing and adapting to those new rules and those new um, you know, like social like constructs and stuff is is amazing to hear. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that you're able to have that opportunity to spend more time um, with your family and still be able to, to adapt to the whole working from home culture. So as we wrap up real quick, um, I just wanted to ask you if you had any like book recommendations or any resources that has helped you through your professional development or your personal um, life goals that we could share maybe with our listeners in case they're looking for something like that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've mentioned one of them. I think Brene Brown, Dare to Lead, um, is a good book for anybody to 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 read or listen to. Um, I mean, it's helped me a lot in in how I'm a husband, how I'm a father, how I'm a friend, how I'm a brother, how I'm a son. Um, just being able to have more emotional, vulnerable conversations with everybody helps a lot. But it helps now a lot in the business world. Um, and it's something again. It was rolled out across thousands of, of employees uh, within Microsoft. Uh, the other one that I would say is, is great uh, is um, a book called Mindset. Uh, Carol Dweck um, wrote it, and uh, it's a really interesting book that talks about uh, the differences between a fixed mindset and a, and a closed mindset. Um, you know, and I, I think as, as you guys go into your careers, one of the most important things to, to keep in mind, and this book really emphasizes it, is, is not being afraid to fail um, and, and being willing to, to take risks and put yourselves out there, especially early in your career, because failure is what you learn from. And, you know, in, in a sales organization, there's a very, there's a, there's a line between uh, success and failures. I mean, you win deals and you lose deals. And, and we learn the most from, from our failures. When you win it, when you win a big deal, you celebrate, you go off. It's great. You learn a little bit from it, but it's really the 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 losses and the failures that you sit back and you really spend a lot of time understanding how I can get better in the future um, with that. So that that book, Growth Mindset or, or Mindset by Carol Dweck, um, really emphasizes that. And it's People, it's a it's a book that our CEO recommends. He's built a lot of our strategy around it, but it's also similar. I mean, it's not just a business book. Um, this this rolls over to the rest of your life, um, and 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 it really emphasizes that. So that 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 would be my biggest piece of advice: is don't be afraid to fail. Uh, find areas that you're you're passionate in, because whoever has the most passion wins in in the business world, right? Um, and so I, mean, I, th I think those would be the two, two biggest pieces of advice that I would have. And those, and those books both, both lead into that. 
Okay, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, we are all very like big, avid readers, um, specifically when it comes to personal development and professionalism. So it's always good to hear from you know our guests what they recommend. Um, and we've collected a whole list to see um, you know what's good and what's not. And that's one that I've been um, wanting to read, the mindset one. I'm gonna have to do a little bit more research on uh, Dare to Lead because from everything that we talked to about today, it seems like a great book, but I haven't had the chance to read it yet. Um, so real quick, again, thank you so much for taking some time off your day and from hanging out with your son to talk to us. And guys, if you like what you heard, please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And while you're at it, follow us on Instagram at Walton Biscock. That is all for today. And we'll be back next week with more casual conversations about professional things.